Today, we're continuing with our series called Forgotten Virtues, Forgotten Virtues. And this is kind of like a treasure hunt that we've been going, searching through the scriptures, looking for these virtues that are often forgotten in our day. And today, I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about the virtue of loyalty, the virtue of loyalty. Do you know that one of the the greatest ways for us to either experience or express the love of God is through the virtue of loyalty. And what makes loyalty so powerful is it's really only seen in, in a time of adversity. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but um, when we're on top, when we're prospering, when we're popular, when things are going well in our lives, it's easy to find our friends, right? Like if Mike Green, if you're firing up the grill, right, it's easy to find some friends. But if you, if you ain't got no food, it's hard, to, it's hard to invite anybody over to that party. When you're on top and life's going good, it's easy to find your friends. But when you go through a time of adversity, loss, when you go through a business failure, a divorce, uh, maybe you got fired from your job, or hey, maybe you end up in a pandemic, when you go through a hard time in life, it's really, really difficult to find loyal people. But loyalty is one of these virtues throughout Scripture. We can see it in people like David and Jonathan. Had a very loyal friendship that lasted a lifetime. And even beyond Jonathan's life, David was still honoring their friendship to Jonathan's family. We can think about the commitment between uh, Ruth and Naomi and how they stayed together and they were loyal to one another and then they fulfilled the plan of God through that loyalty. But my favorite example of loyalty is actually found in the life of Jesus. Last week we saw his humility on display as he washed the feet of his disciples. But as he ended that illustrated sermon, he also told them, he said, Guys, tonight, this same night, all of you are going to betray me. All of you are going to be disloyal. And you might remember Peter stood up and said, No, no, Lord. He said, even if all these losers here, talking about his buddies, how'd you like to have a friend like Peter? Right? He's like, even if all these losers here deny you, Lord, I will stand by you. Even if I have to die for you, I will not abandon you. And then you know what he did about three hours later? <laughs> Denied him. <laughs> right? Three times he denied him. So I don't want to pick on Peter, but they, they all denied him. But we have more details about Peter's denial. So we're going to kind of follow his story a little bit. I want you to imagine how Jesus felt after he had just finished washing the feet of his disciples, serving them, displaying humility. Now he knows he's getting ready to go to the cross. This is the worst night of his life. And all of his buddies, the guys he'd lived with for about three years, one by one, they, they walk away from him. How would, how would he feel? Yes, he was God, but he was also 100% man. He was the God-man which means he had feelings, he felt pain, he felt rejection, he felt isolation. Worst night of his life, he asked his disciples, guys, will you pray with me? But instead, they kept falling asleep on him over and over again. He even pleaded with God the Father, and he said, he said Father, if there's any other way for us to redeem mankind, Lord, can, can we do it that way? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was under so much stress 
that he sweat drops of blood, and at a time when he needed the support of his friends the most, they were all disloyal. They're all disloyal. And in Peter's case, this is a a huge failure in his life. I believe it caused him to question his calling from God. I believe he wondered if Jesus could ever forgive him. In fact, even after Jesus has risen from the dead, we don't find Peter being a great preacher. We don't find him being a great apostle. Do you know what we find him doing? He went back to his old way of life, and he went fishing. Jesus is resurrected. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. And and Peter, because of his failure, says, you know what? God can't use me. And maybe you're here today, or maybe you're listening, and maybe you feel like you have outsinned the grace of God. Maybe you feel like a failure, and your life has disqualified you from being used by God. And I just want to give you some hope today as we watch Peter's life that none of us can outsin the grace of God. Can you say amen this morning? We're going to see it that, that, that Jesus, the resurrected king, <laughs> in an incredible display of loyalty, goes looking for Peter and he finds him on the lake. Look at John 21 and verse 4. It says, But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Uh, I just want you to see this. Uh, Our resurrected God goes looking for a failed fisherman. And I don't know about you, but Jesus has pursued me more times than I can count. He has come looking for me in some of my deepest, darkest moments in life when I felt like I was a total failure. Jesus came looking for me. Is anyone else thankful? that he's a God who pursues us. He could have been anywhere. He's God. He's just defeated death, hell, and the grave. But instead of being, you know, on a throne in heaven somewhere, he goes pursuing a failed fisherman. Verse 5, Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, uh, John, he's referring to himself, said to Peter, he said, Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they weren't that far from land, and they're dragging the net of fish with them. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. In verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. How awesome is this? The fact that Jesus has just displayed his glory and majesty by walking out of his own grave is now with a group of guys, the same group of guys last week that he served and that he washed their feet, and now he's made them breakfast. And baby, it ain't cocoa pebbles. He's got a fire, he's got some bread, and he's grilling out some fish. That is an awesome God. Somebody say amen. But listen, as nice as this scene looks, As good as it smells, as good as it tastes, 
Jesus is not there to simply refresh them with a meal. Jesus is there to restore Peter, and he's going to do it through the virtue of loyalty. Look at verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. I'm telling you, tears start to well up in me when I imagine this scene. Jesus is saying, Peter, I know you failed me. I know you abandoned me. I know you denied me. But I believe that you love me. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you, you, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. How many knows Jesus is not talking about livestock here? He's, not ta he's talking about people. He's talking about his church. And he's talking about Peter's call to help lead it. Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And watch this now. It says, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Friends, understand the scene here. Peter is embarrassed. He's ashamed. He's lost all confidence. He thinks he's disqualified from being used by God. He's gone back to his old way of life. And now Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And the third time, Peter's grieved like, Lord, why do you keep asking me this? I think that Peter thinks Jesus is trying to shame him, but I don't see that at all. That's not the truth of what's happening because Jesus wouldn't do that. On the contrary, Jesus is bringing him out of his shame because each time that Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you, Jesus is responding by saying, Peter, I restore you. Yes, Peter, you failed. Yes, you denied me three times, but for each time you denied me, I'm going to reaffirm my plan for your life. So as Peter was saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus was saying, I restore you, I restore you, I restore you. Aren't you glad that God is a loyal God? Even when we fail him, even when we deny him, he, he never gives up on us. He's not standing over Peter trying to rub his nose in his mistake. He's trying to pull Peter out of his shame. So three times he reaffirms, Peter, my father still has a plan for you. Oh, I'm thankful this morning that Jesus pursues Failed fishermen and failed preachers and failed housewives and failed businessmen and failed fathers. I'm so thankful that he is loyal to us even when we're disloyal to him. He's saying, I restore you. That's the kind of God that we serve. But let's be honest this morning. 
if a person was to betray us three times, how would we respond? <laughs> Most likely we would crumple them up and throw them away like a paper plate. Because that's kind of what we do in our culture. We have gotten to the place in our world that people have become disposable. And as soon as we're done using them, we crumple them up and we throw them away. That's not the character and that's not the nature of God. How would our world be different if we stopped throwing people away after we no longer had a use for them? How would the world look different right now if we valued people even when they failed? We desperately need to rediscover the virtue of loyalty and practice it in our lives. Do you, you know where, where we need to have loyalty? We need to have loyalty in our families. In our homes, we need to teach and model loyalty. Like, here's a question for us to ponder today. Is your home, is your family a safe place to fail? Is your family a safe place to fail? Like, like do your kids feel secure enough in your love that if they fail, they'll bring their failure to you? Or are they so afraid of what you'll do and how you'll respond that they have to lie and sneak around and hide their failures? Listen, none of us want our kids to fail, amen? But if they do, and they most likely will because they're human, I want my kids to fail into the safe place of our family. I don't, want our, I don't want our family to be a place that we're so critical and we're so harsh and we're so judgmental that our kids are afraid to come to us with their failures. How about your marriage? How about your marriage? I'll tell you, I've counseled so many couples over, over the years and, and they said, well, my husband lies to me all the time. Or my wife lies to me all the time. They're not honest with me all the time. But as I let them talk and begin to see the atmosphere of their, their family, the culture of their marriage is that, that, that when they see a weakness in one another, they exploit it. When they see a weakness in one another, they don't cover it or try to help them or, or join together as a team. They, they, they actually attack one another. And I want to say the reason your spouse is lying to you is because they're afraid to let you see their frailty. But if we had homes that were loyal to one another, then a husband could begin to let his wife see the real him. And a wife could begin to let her husband see the real her without fear. I'm telling you, our homes, our marriages, our families would be much stronger and much better if we were people that carried in us the safety and the virtue of loyalty. Is your family a safe place to fail? How about your friendships? Are, are your friendships a place of loyalty? I don't know about you, but some, I, I, sometimes I'll get a friendship and I'll be like, man, this is a great friendship. And then I'll realize they are a high-maintenance friendship. 
Anybody ever have one of them? If they're with you today, don't raise their hand. But anyway, I'm telling you, it, whew, it will wear you out trying to maintain a high-maintenance friendship. But then there are those that, man, you could go 10 years without talking to that person, and when you need to pick up the phone, you pick up the phone, you call, you text. They are right there like nothing ever happened. I like those friendships. I like those friendships. But some of us aren't loyal. We got a new BFF every week. We change our BFF like Devler's changes their flavor of the week. Stop it! We got to be loyal to one another. I tell you, one of the saddest things I've seen during COVID is a lack of loyalty. Like I, I would see people do this, like they would, they would like post something online. They'd post like a picture of a parking lot of a business that's full or something. And they'd be like, oh, I hope all these people are happy with themselves out there spreading disease and trying to kill grandma. <laughs> I'm going to report. I know people have reported people, but I'm like, sister, the only reason you have a picture of them being out is because you were out of your house, you hypocrite. <laughs> Right? It got ugly. It got ugly. Someone say it got ugly. <sighs> Lack of loyalty. Lack of loyalty. Let me tell you this, and, and, and I mean it. Loyalty is an expression of love. Loyalty is one of the ways that we express love to one another. Our church, our church wants to be loyal to its members, to our church family. What I mean by that, our church is a safe place to fail. Pastor, are you encouraging people to fail? God forbid, not at all. But if you do, and you might, and you probably will, and so will I, we want to love one another through it the best we can. We'll hold one another accountable, but we'll also love you and pray for you and help you find your way to restoration. Listen, there are people in this room this morning, we have walked with them through some incredible failures, but at the same time, because that love was expressed through loyalty, we have seen God do some incredible restorations. Can you say amen? So if you're listening today and you feel like there's no hope for you, that's a lie of your own shame multiplied by the voice of Satan. There is no sin greater than the blood of Jesus. And if you'll truly repent and reach out for help, you're not going to find the voice of condemnation here at Crossroads, but we're going to offer you grace and restoration. That's our, that's our mission as the church of Jesus Christ. So our families and our churches need to be places of loyalty, places that stand beside one another even when we fail. Now just briefly, let me talk about misplaced loyalty. Misplaced loyalty. It, 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 because our church, everyone's kind of in a different place. I, I need to talk about a couple of things. Number one, in our day and time, we confuse loyalty with tribalism. Loyalty with tribalism. Tribalism will cause you to hate your neighbor while defending a politician you've never met. I'm going to say that again. Tribalism will cause you to hate your neighbor, the person you're doing life with, while defending a politician you will never meet. Tribalism is toxic, and it's everywhere right now. We're, we're, we're tribal to things that, that we, sh we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be loyal to at all. 
It, it's, it's, it's just, I'm going to just join this tribe and join this tribe and join this tribe. And the next thing you know, you're hating the very people that God has called you to do life with. That's wrong. That's not loyalty. Let me tell you something else that we shouldn't have misplaced loyalty to. Abuse. If you're in an abusive relationship, God has not called you to be loyal to that especially if it's physical or sexual. Leave that situation today. We will help you as a church. The Dove Center will help you. Abuse is not a place for loyalty. Can someone say amen? Let me tell you something else that we're not called to be loyal to. Sin. We're not called to be loyal to sin. God is never going to bless sin. He can't. He would be violating his own character. I love you, and I have clearly stated that this is a safe place to fail. But brothers and sisters, let's don't be loyal to sin. Our first step to restoration is to walk away from that sin. Can someone also say amen to that? So in our culture that we're, we're scrambling and we're groping and we're trying to find truth anymore and we're trying to find virtue and, 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 and people are virtue signaling and virtue shaming and coming up with all this stuff that's going on, all these voices in our head, we, we, we've got to make sure that our, our, our loyalty is not misplaced. It's not misplaced in tribalism or toxic relationship and it's not misplaced to sin. Just to be honest with you, some folks, some folks are wondering why your relationship is not working out. It's because you're sinning against the God that you're praying to. He can't bless that. Just wave at me if I'm being clear today. I love you, but he can't, he can't bless it. You've heard me tell the story many times where Patty and I, we're young and in love and we're going to move in together. And I go to my aunt who's this godly woman and I say, yeah, hey, Aunt Donna, Patty and I, we're moving in together. Yeah, next week we're getting our place together, going to live together. And she says, Davey, God can't bless that. If you don't honor him, he won't honor you. And I know today we'll say, wow. Aunt Donna, you're so mean and judgmental. But you know what I say? Thank God for Aunt Donna who loved me enough to tell me the truth. Because there's no doubt in my mind that we would, we would not be here 30 years later if we had not honored God. Some of us in this room, we're trying to make relationships work that are not God honoring. He can't and he won't bless it. The reason it's so important for us to be loyal to one another is because when we're loyal to one another, we become an expression of the love of God. You remember the Ten Commandments? <laughs> you remember this one where God says, have no other gods before me? What's God saying? He's saying, I'm expecting you to be loyal to me. But then over and over and over again, he promises to be loyal to us. 
in the book of Deuteronomy, Joshua, 1 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, Psalms, Proverbs, Hebrews, just to name a few, God says this, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will be loyal to you. And when we're loyal to one another, we become a reflection of the love of God. Does the world need to see God's love right now? Yeah. One of the ways we will reflect it, one of the ways we will display it is through the love of God. I don't know if you've ever been through a situation, I, I know a lot of you probably have, but have you ever been through a situation where you felt like you were abandoned? Like it, you, you went through loss, you went through rejection, and you just felt like you had no one. Like, you know, one time you had a big group of friends, a big group of supporters, and you just, you just walked through this situation where there's no one there. I'm telling you, it's the loneliest feeling. It's the loneliest feeling in the world. I remember one time we went through some things, and at one time I had all these pastor friends, all these ministers and you know, we had groups and fellowships and conferences, and I just had all these, these guys, these men of God around me, and I felt like I could lean on them and, so, and be supported by them. And then we went through some times of just craziness and false accusation and all this stuff, and all of a sudden, all those, all those men of God, gone. <laughs> gone. Except one. <laughs> one. One guy, black pastor from Fairmont, Dr. John Washington, stood by me when no one else would stand by me. And that was 20 years ago. And I'll never forget the love of God expressed to me through loyalty. Today, before we go, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Is there someone you need to thank for being loyal to you? Is there someone in your life, like, like my Dr. John, who was loyal to me? Is there someone loyal to you that you need to thank? Because here's, here's the thing. Loyalty is so rare, don't take it for granted. And we've probably all done that. Maybe there's someone you need to text, someone you need to call, someone you need to say hi to today, someone you need to thank for standing by you when no one else did. Is there someone, here's another question, is there someone you need to forgive for their disloyalty. Remember, Jesus goes and pursues failed fishermen. <laughs> the guys who had abandoned him, he pursues them. He doesn't hold their disloyalty against them. And actually, he expresses love by remaining loyal in their time of failure. How about this question? Is there someone that needs your loyalty right now? Do you have a friend who's going through a hard time. Let me tell you who feels abandoned, who feels abandoned right now. If you have a friend who's going through a time of sickness, it's often not that people have abandoned them, it's just the sickness tends to isolate them. And when they're, sitting, when they're suffering alone, they feel that. They, they need to know that you haven't forgotten them. Send them a text, call them this week, say, hey, I know you're going through a hard time, I'm praying for you. Let me tell you else, there's someone else who feels abandoned. If you know anyone right now going through a divorce, that feels like one of the loneliest times in a person's life. 
at one, you know, at one time in today's Father's Day, last year at Father's Day, they might have been sitting at a long table with a, with a big family group. And, and this year, they're eating McDonald's alone. Reach out to that person today and say, hey, it, it might be their fault. It doesn't matter. Just say, hey, I love you. I want you to know I haven't forgot about you. I'm thinking about you. Let me tell you, someone else who feels real alone, who needs a loyal friend, is, is in the church what we would call the backslider. But that person who at one time walked with God, we all know somebody, we all had a friend who last year was sitting beside you in church. They're not here anymore. They've walked away from God. They've made some bad choices. Let me tell you, they feel alone. They, sh they feel shameful. They condemn themselves. They hate themselves. The conviction is so much for them. And listen, you, today you don't have to be the voice that says, hey, why'd you do that? <laughs> you don't have to be the voice that says, I told you so. You should have never went with her. You don't have to be that voice. They got enough voices like that inside their head. But just reach out to them today. Say, hey, I just want you to know I was thinking about you today. I want you to know I love you. And I'm praying for you. There's no greater sting in life than disloyalty. <laughs> And there's, there's no greater expression of love than loyalty. And the reason we want to have this virtue is because our God had it first. He gives it to us. We carry it, and we're called to freely give it to others. Can you say amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before you, your people, and... We're thankful that today is a day of celebration, but we know today is also a, a day for hurt, a day for pain. Some have father wounds they're dealing with, and some fathers feel like failures today. And God, I, I just pray that we can see the beauty and the pursuit of our Savior who, who went after his disciples who had failed him. And God, he spoke words of restoration and life into them. And I pray for those who are here, those who are listening online, God, they wouldn't feel condemned, they wouldn't feel shame, but they would feel hopeful today that you've not given up on them. That the reason you're speaking to their lives is because you've got a plan and a hope for their future. You're the God who redeems and restores us. Father, I pray that in this time that we, we seem to have forgotten the virtues that, that your kingdom is built on, God, that we would begin to rediscover them one by one. And today, that virtue is loyalty. Help us to become people who carry it and offer it freely to our friends, our family, our church family. We thank you, Jesus, for being loyal to us, to, for never leaving us, never forsaking us. And if you're with us today and you need to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, now is your moment. He'll never turn you away. Would you simply talk to him? Call upon him. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. <laughs> I want to start over. Or maybe it's I want to come back to you. Make it your prayer today. God will hear you. He'll begin a great work in your life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.